I love being able to inspire people. And being able to do that in the right way, in the right environment, with the right people, I think that's the, the, the ultimate goal that I could possibly have. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A lot has been said about falling into a career in hospitality, but it's also true that most of us have no clue what sort of career we want to embark on when we become adults. Those formative years can lead most of us down any path, but the lure of hospitality captures many and can bring out something from within that is quite unexpected. Andrea Sonante is the head chef of Martinez, a new restaurant by Housemade Hospitality, It'll open in September this year. Andrea, how are you? Good. Thank you. Yourself, Anthony? I'm good. It's great to get you on the show. You're part of this exciting new project, Martinez. Um, Tell us a bit about it. Uh, Martinez is actually a restaurant that will be across the road from Hinchcliffe House, um, um, place, a building that is owned by Housemade Hospitality, as you already mentioned. It's going to be inside this AMP building and the food we'll be delivering to the customer will be the food that you will find in the South France, in the Riviera. Very colorful. So the tricky bits will be actually to make the customers feel like they are in the South French Riviera without being there. So the place itself will have a fit out, which will be very colorful. Those colors will be like the yellow, you know, uh, resembling the sand, the yellow, the, the sky, the, the blue from the sea and the, the red from uh, the Riviera, the rocks. And also our food will be very colorful on the plate. Uh, we'll try to have uh, many different colors on the plate itself and on the ingredients we'll be using. The, the food will be very seafood orientated, uh, Mediterranean. We're not afraid to move ourselves a bit further than South France uh, and hit some um, coastal, um, coast of it, the Italian side, Liguria and Tuscany. We, we find this, uh, me and Alex, Alex Wong, which will be the executive chef uh, working alongside me, um, we've been researching a bit more of that food and we've seen how it's so very similar. Mm. Well, it's a spectacular region uh, on the planet and the food is unreal as well. Tell us a little bit about your findings when you have been researching and the sort of food we might expect to see. So the, the food will be very healthy, colorful, fresh, seafood orientated, as I already mentioned. And it's all very similar to each other. You will find that Toscany, for example, has pesto, as well as Liguria, where it's originally from, with basil. And uh, they have the same thing in the South French Riviera. They just call it pesto, obviously. Um, it's not the same. It's not the same ingredients they use. They will spice it up with some different herbs more. Uh, French style that we, we would probably find tarragon instead of basil, but we talk, we're talking about very similar cuisine. At the end of the day, we're just very close to each other. Um, we also find a very similar resemblance in the produce we're using. Like there's a lot of uh, citrus as it comes from the the coast. That we, we'll be finding a lot of herbs 
And it's so very simple. If you think about the Italian food, it's normally takes four or five ingredients to speak on the plate. And that's the same for French food when it comes from that side. So we're very pleased to actually um, work on this project, not just because it's a new restaurant, but because we have the opportunity to appreciate and to learn about something that we haven't been worrying about before, if you know what I mean. Mm, definitely. Housemade Hospitality have um, delivered some incredible venues in the last couple of years. What's it been like for you being part of the build-up to create a new restaurant? Oh, it's been quite beautiful because um, I've been part of this company for just under a year. And I can tell you that in just under a year, this, this company has been very productive in terms of opening other venues, opening them su successfully and looking for others as well. I've been finding myself constantly challenged because in a positive way, because I've been surrounded by lots of talented people, not just in the kitchen, but also on the front of us or also in the office where, you know, there's a lot of skills from the designer team as well. Um, seeing where the concept of Martinez started when I first went on board the beginning of December last year and how it developed now, it's pretty impressive. I can see that the company is not just um, taking the idea at the beginning and uh, trying to recreate it in a year distance. It develops it, it improves it, and it changes it if he thinks that it actually doesn't work in the market in a year gap, you know what I mean? So I think that I'm really lucky to be part of this company. As I said, not just because I'll have the chance to open this restaurant, but because I'm surrounded by very talented people. Well, I want to explore more of what you're doing a little later on with Martinez, but take us back to when you were young. Where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play for you? Um, so I'm from Brescia. It's a um, town in North Italy. It's just to describe it, what it is, it's basically in between Milan and Verona. That's probably the two well, most well-known city in North Italy, on top of Venice. Um, that that part of uh, that part of um, Italy is a very industrial area, which is still uh, covers a beautiful history in part of Italy. Um, I've been growing up there for eighteen to nineteen years of my life uh, before moving here to Australia. I've been living with mom and dad. I've been exploring food in a very basic way, if I have to be honest. I wasn't into food when, when I was in Italy. Sounds crazy, but it is reality. I actually started to appreciate food when I was here in Australia. I, w I couldn't cook, uh, don't take me wrong. And uh, trust me when I said that I co couldn't cook an egg, a fried egg. <laughs> It was impressive. People, like when I first arrived to Australia, people were like, oh, you're Italian, you can cook. No, I can boil pasta and I can actually <laughs> mix it with a pre-made sauce that I can find on the shelf. That's, that's what I, I improved from them, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, people were making fun of me because I could, even when I arrived here in Australia and I went to do the farm work and I was surrounded by people coming from everywhere in the world, they were actually wondering, oh, is it possible that you're Italian and you cannot cook? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, look, um, I grew up uh, with mom 
uh, I love my mom, you know, she, she never enjoyed cooking before in her life. She never did. So <clears throat> I was very, my, my approach to food was very, it's been very lazy until I was 19. I was basically buying frozen meals, reheat them, or as I told you before, just boiling pasta and put it together with the pre-made sauce. Nonna, my grandma from my dad's side and both my, my mom's side as well, um, they were, you know, nonnas. So they knew how to cook. They knew how to cook their own specific dishes though. It's pretty impressive. My, my grandma from my dad's side knows how to make a handmade orecchiette, which is like little hairs, but she would never, she never experienced before a pasta like linguine or like peachy. And that's because the Italian tradition are stuck to the regions. Unfortunately, I think back in the days, we didn't have much then maybe finance to be able to travel from a region to another or to another country. So we were just limited to where we were having in, the, in our own city. And that's what they knew how to do. So it was impressive when they, you would have seen them both putting together lunch in the same day. Two different cuisines would come up together on the same table. It's extraordinary to hear that, uh, as you say, you couldn't even boil an egg when you got to Australia, and yet you've been part of so many amazing restaurants here, including your own. Um, tell us about that time of coming to Australia. What, what lured you here in the first place? Um, my brother, my older brother was, was here. I didn't want to um, study at university when I once I finished high school, so I took the decision to take... Uh, what's it called in Italy, the Anno Sabbatico, the year gap, just to have fun, discover another part of the world that was very unknown to me. I did enjoy it. I did actually, sorry, I didn't enjoy it at the beginning because imagine I was just 19. I left everything at home. I left my family for the first time. I left all my group of friends and I arrived here and I felt like, oh my God, I'm starting from zero again. And it wasn't easy. There was the language barrier. It was making it difficult for me. But slowly, slowly, it got better and better. Especially when I went to do the farm work to renew my visa. That was um, incredible because I got the chance to meet people from all over the world. Different cultures, cuisines. And that actually helped, helped me develop new friendship. And I started to enjoy my time more. And what actually I enjoy about Australia at the beginning is how even a job like a being a kitchener, which was my first job in a, a professional kitchen, could still give you access to being able to pay the rent and still live a normal people life. It would be a bit more tricky to do the same in Italy. I can tell you that. Tell us about, you mentioned your first job was a, as a kitchen hand. What, what sort of lit the spark for you to then dive into a career in hospitality? Um, so, well, as I said, like, I, I applied for the job because I needed money. I needed to pay the rent. Then I, I started to enjoy more, not the food, but the energy around that. Like, people were very... Um, energetic there was a lot of adrenaline going through there and i like the intensity of it i've always been a person that has lots of uh, lots of energy so it's kind of good i could find a place where i could dissipate them um, 
eventually I asked uh, the chef if I could uh, if I could move into kitchens and start to work uh, in the in pastry, which was uh, at the beginning or in the restaurant I was working the easiest way to access the cooking line. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy being responsible of my own little desserts that I was doing. I was making mistake after mistake, obviously, but it was good to actually being able to be wearing an apron and a chef uniform. You feel like you're part of the team for once, you know. And but I still think being a kitchen hand beforehand, beforehand, and in first instance will give you a sort of respect for the position of the people that work in that area of the kitchen. It gives you it's a lot of times we don't respect or I see people not giving enough respect to, to, to people working in the area. That helped me a lot. You've worked at some pretty amazing venues uh, there in Sydney, but um, what have been the really important sort of people that you've worked with as you sort of started to build your career? Yeah, look, my first job. In my first job, there was a man, a very well-known chef, or it used to be well-known back in the days, Mark Holmes, that has been my mentor, has been training, has been uh, teaching me so much about cooking techniques uh, and respect uh, on the workplace and dedication to work. And that's the person that teach me one of the most important skills in kitchen, which is efficiency. And moving forward, I've been working with other talented chefs. I've been working with Trisha Graintree at 10 William Street and Fratelli Paradiso. She's a person that she's been teaching me how to be more calm in the kitchen. I was coming from this chef that has been a bit whole school in his approach to leading kitchens to Trisha, which was extremely relaxed. And I was like, wow, how come, how, how is it possible that you're so relaxed around food when there's so much energy around? And actually stepping back from what has been a very intense, very energetic work environment to one where you can still achieve the same beautiful product, but without then sort of intensity, it's incredible. It took me a lot of time. I couldn't understand that, but when I started to realize how important it was that skill or that approach for Trisha in the food, it opened a new world for me. You mentioned 10 William Street and Fratelli Paradiso, both with um, a foundation of Italian cookery. What was it like for you being an Italian um, cooking that food in, in, in Australia? It was great. I started with um, William first, which has um, Italian be- Italian food approach with a bit of an Asian twist. It was really tricky for me at the beginning. I was coming from uh, a pre- the previous kitchen where the food was pretty straightforward to uh, a place like 10 William Street where there was a fusion going on. That was the most difficult part, uh, trying to recreate a traditional dish with a twist. And the best part of it, it was being able to understand that the key to achieve that is balance. Everyone is able to appreciate a dish as long as there is a balance in it. 
And once you understand that every product or ingredients that you use, it's different spots in your palate, if you're able to actually put them together in the same sauce, in the same dish, and it will recreate the same balance that you would have with the traditional dish, but with a twist, you win. And that was the, tr the, the, the beautiful part of Tim William Street of cooking Italian food, still respecting the tradition, but just give it a bit of a twist to make it less boring. I, I then took on board the chef role at Fratelli Paradiso, which we, it put me back in a more traditional approach to the Italian cuisine. That was great though. I didn't feel like I was stepping back. Uh, stepping back. I, I thought that actually I was improving a sort of skilling myself because I was head chef, I was managing the kitchen. You know, sometimes a lot of times you get you have this jerky ladder in the in the kitchen where you start from an apprentice, you move to chef de part, sous chef, head chef, and all of a sudden you get thrown in this um, leadership role without you feeling no management skills. That was the challenge of cooking Italian food while you actually had to lead the kitchen and people. So in that moment, I realized that I. I had to train myself in there. There's, there's very little management training uh, in our industry for them. So putting on the side the Italian food, which for me at that point was easy to cook because it's the approach uh, Fratelli Paradiso was very traditional. I had to improve the skill of management. How did that sort of uh, change your approach to what you do, you know, being put into that sort of role where you do have to be creative in the menu, but you have to manage people? Did it change um, your approach to your job? It does a lot, Anthony. It does because you just feel like uh, you're adding one extra big step in your life, like not just cooking, but also ma managing people that have to cook the menu that you develop or you're developing with them. It's, it's hard. It makes the cooking part easier if you're stepping back from the management part because you realize how <clears throat> difficult it is. It is difficult to make sure that, obviously, the, the bigger is the kitchen, the more people you have, the more personalities. And that... That's the challenge. Make sure that the menu that you're designing is it can be produced and executed by everyone in, in a in a proper way. So small kitchens eventually will give you the chance to have more eventually more skilled people and a bit more control of the whole. Uh, or the whole kitchen, bigger, bigger environments will actually be more tricky. So, and coming from Italy Paradise, I think it was more of a medium-sized kitchen. We're talking about 10 chefs on a roster plus three or four kitchen hands. That was already tricky enough, as first role in the, in the management. I think if I would go back, I would need to improve a lot of myself because one of the hardest thing was controlling the temper. I hate to say that, but unfortunately, without the management training, I was lacking on that. Yeah. You mentioned um, small kitchens just sort of in that moment there. And 
your sort of um, first restaurant that you co-owned, um, Sagra, has a really small kitchen and a, and a small dining room too. How, how did that come about? I was um, I was a regular at Sagra. I've been for many years. I love the um, the little house on the corner with brick walls. I loved uh, that it was it had a sort of homey feeling very warm in winter it, it was just perfect i would just go there for a glass of wine and a bowl of pasta and i would just be so satisfied and it came along that one of the three owners at the time wanted to to live to travel he uh, wasn't interested in uh, owning the restaurant anymore so i took his shares and i went on board it was me and two other co-owners running the running the show for a couple of months. And then we went back on to second lockdown. <laughs> Lucky, eh? Um, and that was the that was very tricky, you know. The the part where the restaurants were hitting hitted by a second wave of COVID. We were lucky enough that we were supported by suppliers. Uh, we were getting a lot of free ingredients from suppliers, suppliers, and we were actually cooking them for uh, people that were not able to afford a meal, or anyone that was actually, in, you know, interested also to come in and just make a small donation to keep us going to do this sort of stuff. So we were able, we were in a good financial position to be able to help others, and that's what. Um, we were really lucky of also we went out we went back to normality if we can say so because you know the the starting point after the second lockdown finish was a bit slow it was it was okay but it wasn't as good but we were very busy um we were still getting lots of customers through the door and eventually that adventure ended for me again um i just thought that it was in three people in such a small restaurant was probably too many heads fighting against each other. And I think it's, it was still time for me to learn. So I went back, I had the opportunity to speak with Alex and being offered this position of head chef and Martinez, where he would have been looking after both their restaurant and Lana's in a executive chef role. And I thought it was great. I, I had the chance to open a restaurant from scratch where we could actually pick our own plates as well. And I'm still working along Alex, my friend, which we've been doing lots of collaboration before with our manager uh, pop-up. You worked at uh, Hubert uh, as well, um some time ago did the sort of french leanings of hubert have an impact on what you'll be doing at martinez sort of not totally. like hubert comes from a more traditional approach uh, to um, to the to the french kitchen which we are not trying to do at martinez in essence like it's very he- it's a bit heavier the French of the the kitchen at Hubert, um, so I would say no. What we're trying to do, we're trying to be a little bit lighter 
with the sauces we're making at Martinez. Fresher ingredients, more colorful. So no, you, you, you won't have an, an approach like that in Martinez now. You mentioned uh, there'll be a focus on seafood. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Is there any particular um, species or connections that you've made with, with fishermen that um, we'll see sort of appear on the menu? Uh, we are trying to. Absolutely. We're trying to actually be in contact with direct, direct with farmers directly, which is not just in the seafood environment, but also vegetables and stuff like that. Um, we'll be trying to have seafood, like a, a seafood platter with sort of different crustaceans on there. And one of the dishes, now this is a little um, lick that I can actually say that, yeah. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll be having this dish which Alex Wong came up with and I think it will be awesome. It will be a, a bologna pilaf. I won't reveal too much about this, but I think we tried it before and it hits the, all the spots in the, in the palate. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really excited with what's coming up. Well, it's going to be opening uh, in the next couple of months. Um, how, are you, how are you feeling and how are things tracking to that build-up? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, nervous. I would be lying if I would say no. <laughs> but obviously, there's always uh, a bit of that feeling because you want to make sure that everything gets done properly. And But I feel, as I said before, I'm very well supported. So everything is on track. There's a very good team working on every sort of department that they need to cover from glassware, crockery is from organizing the supplier and it's all moving pretty fast and i think by the time we'll be open we'll be having this i mean i mean these teams coming together from different angles bringing all these uh, things together it'll be it'll be fine well, uh, for someone who couldn't boil an egg when they got here to doing the extraordinary things that you're doing now, um, you've built an incredible career in hospitality so far. What, what do you love about what you do? Leading. I love being able to inspire people from, from my side. I think I've been loving cook. I've been love cooking for a long time now for the past 10 years, but passing that on to someone else, I think is the, is the next step. I mean, it's an endless learning, the food, the food environment, the food world, like uh, you, you feel like you're starting in one, you're starting eventually, like I started 10 years ago from not being able to boil an egg as you said before, uh, to actually uh, having all this back knowledge in your head that needs to be transferred to someone else. And being able to do that in the right way, in the right environment, with the right people, I think that's the, the, the ultimate goal that I could possibly have. Well, um, you're an amazing example of um, what can be achieved in this industry by just jumping in and um, can't wait to see what you do there, Andrea, with Martinez when it, when it opens in the next sort of month or so. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today, so please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, Anthony. It was a pleasure to be on the podcast. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep, 
Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>